the end zone, has a man open, touchdown, Justin Blackman. Welcome into another edition of Locked On Pokes. I'm your host, Colby Powell. Glad to be back with you after a little bit of time off these last few days. Let's see, when was the last time I did an episode? Last Wednesday, probably, so it's probably been a full week. Uh, yeah, because it was before Finding Big Country aired uh, whenever I last recorded an episode. I was out of town for several days. I was out of town Thursday through Monday, uh, and then yesterday I had a bunch of catching up to do here at home, but I'm glad to be back here on Locked on Pokes. Obviously, being off for a week, there's a ton that I need to get to. I want to remind everyone to hit me up on Twitter at Colby J. Powell at Locked on Pokes, and make sure you find our partners, Boone Pickens State. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Search for Boone Pickens State. Uh, all the best Oklahoma State's news, notes, and opinions. Uh, yeah, so check them out. Give them a follow. You will not be disappointed. So, a lot has happened uh, in the world of Oklahoma State over the past week. Obviously, we had the holiday weekend. Hope everyone had a great weekend. Uh, stayed safe and had a lot of fun. Uh, I had a lot of fun playing a golf tournament back in my hometown that was uh, was great. It was a great tournament, great success down uh, at Bushwood in Chickasha. So, uh, everybody head down there and play some golf as well. Uh, although, I know that I personally will not be spending a ton of time on the golf course over the next two weeks because it's supposed to be about 103 degrees every single day, which is uh, a little excessive, but it's July. That's that's what you're going to get. So uh, anyway, moving on, let's just start uh, with what happened on Monday, which was, of course, the measuring of the incoming Oklahoma State uh, basketball players. Also of note, the first round of COVID test for the Oklahoma State basketball players came back zero tested positive. That is uh, a huge, huge bit of good news for Oklahoma State. Obviously, uh, you have less players, so, you know, football, 14, whatever. You see the football programs across the country having all these guys that test positive. Now, in basketball, you've only got uh, about as many guys are testing positive in football as, as is how many you have on a roster in basketball. So, uh, the chances of your numbers being as high are pretty slim, uh, but it's good to see that Oklahoma State did not have any positive tests in the first round. Now, there were some very key measurements for Oklahoma State on Monday. Number one being the fact that Cade Cunningham will likely be listed as six foot eight as an Oklahoma State Cowboy. Uh, he measured six seven and a half shoeless on Monday. Six seven and a half shoeless as a point guard. Here's the other point guards in the Big 12 from last season. De Devon Dotson at Kansas, 6'2". David Moretti at Texas Tech, 6'3". Davion Mitchell at Baylor, 6'2". Davion Harmon at Oklahoma, 6'1". 6'2 at West Virginia, 6'2 at Iowa State, 6'3 at TCU, 6' foot at Kansas State, 6'2 at Texas. Cade Cunningham walking in at 6'7 and a half, and you know, let's keep in mind, it's entirely possible that he's not fully done growing yet. He could put on another inch or two. He's only 18 years old. Uh, so Cade coming in at six, seven and a half is big time. That's going to make him, uh, you know, most of the recruiting services had him listed at six foot six, six foot seven, depending on where you looked. So that extra little bit of height, uh, is going to continue to help. Speaking of extra height, I don't know what happened with, uh, with Rondell Walker since he was being recruited, but most recruiting services list Rondell Walker at six foot two and Walker tweeted out, on Friday, that he came in at 6'5", 175. The difference between 6'2 and 6'5 is monumental. It'll give Rondell Walker uh, certainly some more ability, especially on the defensive side of the ball with some more height and allow him to do some things, get some more shots off over guys. So uh, that's a big three inches for Rondell Walker. 
175. Also, uh, pretty light at 175. I'm sure he'll put on some more weight. Uh, needs to get in the weight room and, and, and put on some pounds, but I'm sure he'll do that over the next few years. Now, the vertical for Montreal Pena. Montreal Pena, we, we don't know a ton about. Uh, he's not a social media guy. That's really not his thing. Um, he's lowest rated recruit in the class, 342nd nationally uh, ranked recruit, which in a class that includes Cade Cunningham and Rondell Walker and Donovan Williams and Matthew Alexander Moncrief. It's just, you know, he's the lowest rated recruit in the class. Um, but he had a 42 and a half inch vertical, which would have been the second highest at last year's NBA draft combine. He also measured at six foot 10. So that's pretty impressive. Uh, likely going to be a power forward and the highest jumping power forward at last year's NBA combine was 38 inches. So uh, big time stuff there from Montreal Pena. Isaac Likely jumped 41 and a half inches and Avery Anderson jumped 40 flat. Rondell Walker jumped 39 and a half inches. So if Rondell Walker has now gotten up, sprouted up to six foot five and he's jumping 39 and a half inches, uh, that's big time for Rondell. So just more reasons to be excited about Oklahoma State basketball. The closer and closer we get, I mean, look, I'm excited about football too. Obviously, Spencer Sanders, Tylen Wallace, Chuba Hubbard, but this basketball team, man, we got to see what happens happens with the appeal, obviously, and I'll get you some comments that Mike Holder had about the appeal here in just a little bit, so that has to work itself out, but this Oklahoma State basketball team has the makings uh, of something special, so really looking forward to the season. Uh, also, I know it's Wednesday. I know Dion is usually on with me on Wednesdays. He's actually going to join me tomorrow. Dion's going to be with me on Thursday of this week. He had some things going on uh, at work. Uh, a couple of my wife's cousins uh, that have kids stayed with us last night. They were in town uh, from out of town, stayed with us last night. I wasn't sure what time they were heading out this morning, so we just pushed Dion back to Thursday. He'll be with me tomorrow. So I'm going to take a break. I'm going to come back on the other side throughout the rest of the show. Uh, I'm talking about Gundry, Gundy's contract, which has been revived. Uh, I'll give you my review of Finding Big Country. I'll talk about Matt Wolf, all that good stuff. Mike Holder, what he had to say about the, uh, about the appeals process and how that all is going. That's all coming up. Stay with me here on Locked on Pokes. Welcome back to Locked On Pokes. Colby Powell back with you after uh, a week off. It was it was a great week off. I actually deleted the Twitter app from my phone and just pretty much completely unplugged uh, for about six days, which obviously sometimes you're able to do that, sometimes you're not. Uh, if you're able to, I, I highly recommend it. It was, uh, it was cathartic to be off of Twitter and to be unplugged for about a week, but uh, it's good to be back in the mix of things as well. Uh, even being off Twitter, I, I could not possibly miss former Big 12 quarterback Patrick Mahomes, who is now the highest paid football player of all time, uh, and I would imagine that he's going to stay that way for a while. You Usually what we see in the NFL is these contracts where it's like Kirk Cousins is the highest paid player in the league for a day. And then Jimmy Garoppolo is the highest paid player in the league for four days. And then Matthew Stafford's the highest paid player in the league. And then everybody's the highest paid player in the league, but only for a little short while until the other quarterback who's left on the market gets his contract. Uh, and then that guy becomes the highest paid player in the league. 
my hunch is that Patrick Mahomes is going to be the highest paid player in the league for quite a long time. Uh, at 10 years, $503 million, there's just not any other quarterback in the league who can walk in uh, and have his agent walk in and tell the general manager of their team that uh, the Chiefs have now set a precedent for what quarterbacks are worth because there is no player in the league that's worth uh, what Patrick Mahomes is worth. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes spent his time uh, at Texas Tech where he got steamrolled by Oklahoma State a few times. Uh, so, yeah. Good for Patrick Mahomes. Uh, good for the Big 12. You know, the Big 12 had the image for a long time of not being able to produce successful NFL quarterbacks. Um, you know, Sam Bradford, obviously, due to injuries, did not have quite the career that he wanted. Uh, you know, we all love Brandon Whedon. We, we, we just go crazy over Brandon Whedon. We should. He's the best quarterback to ever play at Oklahoma State. Uh, he wound up in Cleveland, which obviously was a dysfunctional nightmare. Uh, he did not overcome the dysfunctional nightmare that was Cleveland. Uh, didn't have the NFL career that we all wanted for him. So good for Patrick Mahomes for making the best of his situation uh, in Kansas City. And, and he's he's the best quarterback in the league right now. And he's paid like he deserves it. But anyway, I'm talking former Big 12 quarterbacks and I've got a ton uh, of Oklahoma State stuff to get to. Why don't we start uh, with my review of Finding Big Country last week on ESPN. So I uh, I, I knew what to expect going in. The the description of it was a filmmaker from Vancouver, basically a Vancouver Grizzlies super fan from long ago, sets out to find big country. So I, I kind of figured that the story was going to be about the filmmaker's quest to find big country, and that's pretty much what it was. The 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 hour-long doc was pretty much uh, mostly about her and about her life as a, a Vancouver Grizzlies super fan and growing up and the fact that Vancouver basically doesn't remember that the Grizzlies exist. Uh, the BC Hall of Fame doesn't even have anything, didn't have anything Vancouver Grizzlies related in it until she went and saw Big Country, which was really a shame because the Vancouver Grizzlies, uh, it's an important part of in the NBA's history. So uh, it, I thought it was a, a good documentary. Um, you know, it was a little cheesy at times, but I thought it was great that she was actually able to to get with Big Country, sit down with him, ride across the farm with him, play some basketball with him, um, hear him talk about uh, y you know the fact that he said that he never wanted to be one of those guys who played twenty years, but he wanted to play longer than he did. Um, you know, doesn't miss it anymore. All, all, all this stuff to hear people talk about uh, you know him, how you know it really wasn't his fault. He was doing great things in Vancouver. Uh, the clip from Shaquille O'Neal that was saying uh, Big Country was the the toughest guy to play against because he just had the uh, the weirdest moves and you look down at halftime he's like look down at halftime and Shaquille O'Neal 15 points big big country 26 points uh, so that was cool to hear Shaq talk about big country like that so uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, obviously, after watching Eddie on Monday, which I think was truly one of the best sports documentaries I've ever seen, uh, it was going to be very different watching the much more casual, uh, much more laid-back film, uh, Finding Big Country. But it was still great, uh, and I enjoyed it. So uh, I hope you, that you all did as well. Matt Wolf this past week took a lead into Sunday, a three-shot lead. You'll remember last year in uh, Matt Wolf, the first win of his career at 3M Open. I don't know if you all remember this. You probably don't, but the guy that he over took to win that tournament was Bryson DeChambeau. Matthew Wolf was actually one behind Bryson DeChambeau, who had finished his round as Matthew Wolf stood on 18T, and Matthew Wolf made about a 35-footer from off the green for Eagle to leapfrog Bryson DeChambeau and win the golf tournament, and Bryson DeChambeau took his revenge on Matt Wolf this past week uh, with a three-shot win, DeChambeau birdieing the last three holes, but uh, Matt Wolf, look, everything is a learning experience, and that's what Matt Wolf says. He's like, you know, um, 
I'm, I'm not disappointed. He said it was something positive that I'll take account of. And as many times as I'm going to be in the, this position in my career, it's something I'll learn from. I'm not taking any negatives away from this week. That's absolutely the right attitude to have for, uh, for, for Matt Wolf. And it was great to see him at the top of the leaderboard again. He struggled a little bit. He's missed a few cuts. Seems like he's had some trouble finding his game. Uh, but it was nice to see him pop for a week. And he did uh, play well on the back nine to get himself back into solo second, which is a big deal whenever you're talking talking money, especially whenever you're talking FedEx Cup points, giving himself a chance to make it to East Lake at the end of the season. So it was good to see Matt Wolf up there. Uh, let's see, uh, Ricky Fowler and Victor Hovland both tied for 12th at 14 under. Uh, so good weeks for Fowler and Hovland uh, as well. And a few of those guys will be in the field. I don't know that Matt Wolf is. Um, I'm not sure, but I know that Hovland and Ricky are going to be in the field this week at the Workday Charity Open uh, being played at Muirfield Village in Ohio, Jack's Place, which is hosting back-to-back PGA Tour events, obviously uh, with COVID. They had to move the John Deere Classic, which is now this week's Workday Charity Open. So there will be back-to-back events at Jack's Course, both with no fans, as the PGA has called off its plan uh, that they originally had to have fans at the Memorial at 20% capacity. They've called that off. There will be no fans next week as well. So uh, hopefully we can see one of these pokes jump up and grab a win over the next couple of weeks at Muirfield. Uh, I think Ricky's got a good chance. I think he started to find something in his game last week. I think this is a course that he likes. So look out for Ricky Fowler uh, this week or next at Muirfield Village in Ohio. I'm going to take one more break, come back on the other side, giving you some Mike Holder comments, uh, as well as the alterations to Mike Gundy's contract, what it could potentially mean for Oklahoma State. That's coming up next. Stay with me here on Locked on Pokes. Back here on Locked on Pokes, wrapping things up on a Wednesday. Great to be back in the fold. Follow me on Twitter at Colby J. Powell at Locked on Pokes. Find our partners, Boone Pickens State. So I told you I'd give you Mike Holder's comments. And Mike Holder, uh, obviously, whenever the decision was first handed down from the NCAA about, um, about Oklahoma State's basketball team, the ridiculous punishment that was handed down, Mike Holder was, uh, I mean, he, he came out firing. He came out firing. You, you remember, what was it? Five weeks ago, probably five, six weeks ago, he said, I'm shocked by the ruling today and determined to vigorously fight against this injustice. Oklahoma State has strived to do the right thing during this process, and we all expected in return was for the Oklahoma, was for the NCAA to reciprocate. And if this is what happens when there is no competitive advantage gain, then the NCAA has created an expectation of significantly harsher penalties when a competitive advantage is involved. All of us that are members of the NCAA will be watching to see if these standards and expectations are applied consistently. So uh, Mike Holder was asked about it again. He had media availability last week, talked a ton about Mike Gundy. Um, We'll get to the Mike Gundy stuff here momentarily. Mike Holder said, we've filed our appeal. We're in our 30-day period to put together the justification for our appeal. That's ongoing. We're getting the best people on our side, and we feel like that we've been wrong, and we want that appeals committee to agree with us. So we're going to make a great argument. He said that he does feel better. Uh, Now, he he said, obviously, we won the first round. 
round when the majority of our roster stayed with us, is what Holder had to say. So kudos to Coach Boynton and his staff and for the relationships uh, that he established with those young men. That's really gratifying. And he said he feels better now than he did when the sanctions were handed down about the potential of winning the appeal. Uh, Mike Holder said, well, yeah, I do feel better. Uh, He said, absolutely. I'm really confident in the team that we're assembling to represent us. I think the most important thing is just to stand up and fight for our coaches and our players. That's important. That's probably more important than the final resolution. It absolutely is. Uh, But again, hopefully the final resolution, uh, hopefully the final resolution is what it should be, which is that the postseason ban uh, is lifted. Now, you don't want the scholarships to be taken because that could have lingering effects for the next few years. But if Oklahoma State can win its appeal um, and get the postseason ban lifted and have this special congregation of talent find itself playing in March later in the season, that obviously uh, would be the end goal. So it was good to hear Mike Holder talk a bit about that. Uh, We learned some new things about Mike Gundy's contract on Friday as well. So Mike Gundy uh, is taking a million-dollar voluntary pay cut. This is... Uh, this was brought up by Mike Gundy. Uh, Mike Holder said this has nothing to do with COVID. Mike Gundy volunteered to take the $1 million pay cut uh, after the internal investigation into his relationships with his players. Uh, they concluded that he needs to spend, uh, quote, here, here's the quote, quote, unquote, needs to invest more time in building relationships with his players. Um, obviously, that the fact that, um, the fact that you have to tell your head coach, to build relationships with his players, uh, I think in itself is pretty damning. You know, the fact that they didn't come up with anything worse, obviously, is great. Uh, But the fact that your head coach making $5.2 million a year wasn't investing time in building relationships with his players. Why did all Eddie Sutton's guys love him so much? Y'all watched the documentary last week. I know you all did. Why did they love him so much? Because they knew that no matter how hard he coached them, no matter what he did to try to make them better, they knew that it came from a deep place of love and that Eddie Sutton loved them. And and now you're having to tell your football coach to invest more time in building relationships with his players. So uh, I, for one, thought that that was pretty damning, but uh, good on Gundy for volunteering to take the $1 million pay cut whenever you know um, places around the country are having to cut back. I know I saw down at OU that any coach making more than a million dollars is receiving uh, a 10% pay cut for this year as everyone's trying to figure out how to make everything work with COVID. Now, hopefully, uh, we do have a football season because if we don't, then that's really uh, going to hurt what can happen financially across universities all, all over the country. So uh, Mike Gundy was set to take to make $5.2 million in 2020. That'll be cut back to $4.2 million. Uh, a couple other things that are of note in Gundy's contract. The rollover length has been reduced from five years to four years. So it's still a rollover contract, uh, but it's now only four years instead of five. So that makes a big difference. Uh, And here's the big, big difference is the buyout. Uh, Buyout, obviously, is what you have to pay a guy when you fire him. Uh, So if Oklahoma State were to fire Mike Gundy, used to be 75% of the remaining contract. It's now 50% of the remaining contract. And again, the remaining contract is shorter, and Mike Gundy's taking a pay cut. So that buyout number is now much smaller uh, than it would have been prior to these uh, adjustments. So, um, yeah, big, big difference in that contract uh, for Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy. It gives Mike Gundy uh, a little less power and a little less stability moving forward. Uh, And I think that that is a good thing because I think Mike Gundy had gotten way too comfortable uh, and felt way too bulletproof and was just willing to do whatever he wanted uh, and was spending way too much time worrying about his image and his brand nationally and not near as much time uh, worried about his players uh, and how they felt and how they perceived him. 
him and have, and whether they wanted uh, to play for for a guy who was you know doing all the things that he was doing. Now, how does everything that's happened this offseason impact recruiting for Oklahoma State? Uh, we can't say today. That's something that we'll have to keep an eye on moving forward. Uh, but certainly, if it has an impact on recruiting, that would be bad for Mike Gundy and for Oklahoma State football. So we'll see what that looks like as we move forward. That is all I've got to touch on today. Great to be back. Glad everyone was with me. Dion Imade joins me tomorrow. Thanks for listening once again to Locked on Post.